Lead is an invisible threat. It's especially unsafe for children because their bodies and brains are still developing. Lead exposure can come from paint in homes built before 1978, dust, soil, drinking water from older plumbing, and some imported goods. To find out if your child is being exposed to lead, talk to their doctor about a blood lead test today and visit michigan.gov slash myleadsafe to learn more. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Pod Studios. Are you ready for this? This is Felt and Matt. Oh, that's stupid. My God. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Is... Facing Bill Belichick in your first regular season NFL game, like the coaching equivalent of that? Yeah, I mean, can there be a, a larger disparity in career win-loss total? Um, no, I, yeah, it would be a bigger deal, I think, if uh, Coach Belichick and I were on the field, uh, maybe doing like an Oklahoma drill. Um, but I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, I don't think the fans would really pay for that. So uh, there, there's... Uh, you know, we, we do our best. You know, I I know one thing that um, that coaches in the National Football League, especially experienced NFL head coaches, especially, um, you know, arguably the best coach of all time, Bill Belichick, he's going to be prepared. Um, so you're you're uh, you know that um, as a head coach, you better prepare your team and leave uh, no stone unturned. Otherwise, you'll um, uh, you'll end up kind of coaching with regret after the fact. Um, luckily, the schedule has come, came out a long time ago, so I uh, digested that um, and uh, knew what week one was. And um, luckily, I'm going – it's the Miami Dolphins versus the New England Patriots and um, not uh, a one-on-one square off between head coaches. Uh, it's Johnny the Joke Man there, uh Mike McDaniel, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, to get us into a Big Boy Tuesday here on Tuesday, September 6th from our Town Fred Tire Studios in Waltham. Felger Maz brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Maz, Murray, and Greg Bedard alongside. Hi, fellas. Good you. Uh-oh. That one not working, too. <laughs> Should be working. It says it's on. Try. Talk again. There it is. Hello. hello. Hi, Greg. How are there you? There we go. The big boy's here. So, listen, let's get right into it. It occurred to me, you know... Uh, I, I know a lot of us in this room, uh, all of us in this room are not too high on the Patriots, but those who are, are hanging their head on Bill Belichick still being the man. And so it occurs to me, if Bill Belichick is still the man and you believe in this team, then isn't this a week that you get? Isn't this a week that you get because of that guy across the hall in Mike uh, McDaniel or across the field? Isn't this one that Bill has to win? Two new coaching staffs. I know Bill's not new, but you know what I mean? Patricia, Judge installing a new offense. McDaniel installing the new offense. Team's pretty equal, all things considered. But it's new coaches coming off a of preseason. Who has their team ready to go? Isn't this a game that you get if Bill Belichick's still the man and you believe in this Patriots team? Isn't this a game? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback, though. I mean, it's not just Belichick. You're going with quarterback and the coach. And how much of an advantage does Mac Jones have over Tua? Everybody in New England thinks it's it's a huge advantage. I don't know. Two has won three straight starts against against the Patriots, and Belichick doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. So, 
it totally throws that off. I mean, if Brady were here, hell yeah, you'd say that. Mm. But well, how about a different uh, so a different way to facilitate that? Do the Pats have a bigger advantage at coach or quarterback in this game? Coach, coach, huge. coach, coach. So that's my point. Uh, it's not, and it's not only Belichick. It's you know. Uh, Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, is calling plays. He's on his own without Brian Flores, who has been able to thwart the Patriots you know, d- during his time as Dolphins coach. You also have Mike McDaniel, not only as a head coach, can he manage the game, but his coaches are all new. He's ne- Mike McDaniel's never called a game a- as an offensive coordinator, so now it evens the playing field with Patricia. So it's it's a completely different world for a lot of people. I mean, the difference of Bill Belichick versus Mike McDaniel should show up in this game. It should show up in this game. Right. I mean, that that's what – so, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying this is kind of half a taunt because I like the Dolphins and I don't like where the Patriots are at. But I'm just saying. Of course. If you out there disagree with me, this is the reason why, the coaching difference. Yeah, I, I think this is, to me, as important an opener as the Patriots have played in a long time. Why? Because they had such a bad preseason, bad camp – the whole thing looked, you know, disorganized, for lack of a better term. Now they're going against Miami. Like, they can change a lot in terms of the narrative with one game. They really can. There's a lot at stake. Or it could go the other way. Well, right. I mean, so because this is I, my- think, I think the players are are looking at this just as much as we are to see, do these guys know what they're talking about? Like, we knew, all right, when Josh McDaniels was here and Bill could help on the defense, we knew we were a good team. We knew we had a good plan that we would go into this game and we be, we would be competitive. If it goes the other way, then it's like, uh-oh, okay, now what do we hang our hat on? See, this is my point, is that I, I think there's a chance it could go one way or the other really fast, really mm-hmm. quick, right out of the gate. And I don't remember many years feeling like this in week one. What do we got here? I mean, I think there are years we've gone in and asked that question in terms of, is it a Super Bowl team? Is it a, you know, second round? Like, whatever. You know, they were always good. But, and even with the Cam Newton thing, we had some uncertainty, but it was COVID, and Mac Jones was a rookie. And But now it's like, what is this? What is this going to be? Like, if they go out against Miami, it looked like they did in the preseason, and get their doors blown off, uh uh-oh, panic button. Like, right away. And to Greg's point, they could lose their own players because if, you know, they get shredded offensively, by Miami, wouldn't you be looking over there being like, oh, that's how it's done with real coaches that know how to run this stuff? And you could be looking at Joe Judge and Matt Patricia and be like, oh, God, I can't. This isn't going to work. What do you think, Bedard? I think, well, for me personally, going into this game, I think the first two offensive series are huge in this game. Like, I do think, I think the Patriots, if they get into a situation where, say, they're down a couple scores or it's before halftime, uh, they can Mac Jones can make things happen. You know, you get the the other defenses maybe playing a little bit of zone. You move the ball, okay. But the first two series of this game, they've been they've been behind closed doors for two weeks. They've been repping these things. I assume they're repping these first, you know, two dozen scripted plays. I mean, they don't automatically go off the script, but I think that they need things to go. If it doesn't go right in the first two drives, when's it going to get better? They've been prepping for this, you know, now for six weeks, but just in terms of this game, for two weeks, practicing it over and over again. If it doesn't look good to start, look out. Mass, you were just about to say? No, no, I was going to – I just think it – you know, the start of the game gets even more amplified because I think the whole first game is critical. 
And, it, and it's not critical from a one-loss perspective, although don't get me wrong, every game counts in that league. We all know that. I think from a morale and confidence standpoint, if they come out and suck, they, need, they need it for morale. I mean, I, I you know, because I just think it's going to be easy for a lot of guys to point fingers and jump off the boat. Okay, so the Pats headed down to Miami uh, today. Was that the act of a desperate team or the act of a team that was one step ahead, Greg Bedard? <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't say it's an act of a desperate team because they had to start making these plans months ago, you know, probably six months ago. So this was, I think, I think Bill realizes the importance of a fast start for this team, that their margin of error is gone. Also, this whole thing about September being an extension of training camp and you don't really know what you are until October and teams start gaming. You think that was a bunch of bull crap? You don't do that unless you're, you're putting a lot of importance on this game, which further goes to say, they need to hit big in this game. But doesn't them traveling to Miami this week put a lie to all that bull crap last week about yes. get back to me in October, that sort of nonsense? Yes. If it's just a big, long extension of training camp, why are you going to Florida to acclimate for Pete's sake? Oh, they want to get some sun. Oh, come on. So act of a desperate team or a team that's a step ahead? I think it's the act of a desperate team. And I hear you. They had to schedule this well before. So maybe that takes some starch out of it. It feels like the act of a desperate team. It just does. Boy, you need it that bad. You got you need to do that to beat the Dolphins. When uh, and I know what I'm about to say isn't exactly true, but you used to roll out of bed and beat that team. It's a team you never had to worry about, even though you lost to them every now and then. It you know you know what I'm saying. Now you're doing this for the Dolphins. What now you gonna head down to Tuesday to New Jersey to get ready for the Jets? Like what's next? <laughs> you know, I mean I, these Dolphins games are going to be huge for playoff seating I, if I, they come to it. And, huge. And, and I and I agree. I think it's you and the Dolphins vying for second place and then one of the last wild cards. And I think everyone sort of has the Pats in the same boat with the Dolphins. And so I think these are big games that are going to come back at the end of the year when you're looking at tiebreakers and all of that. So they head down to Miami four days early. You got Palm Beach. You, uh, did you ever answer my question? Palm Beach, Atlantic University there in Palm Beach? Correct. It's right in downtown West Palm Beach. They, I know I, it well. They have girls lacrosse. I think that's it. They don't have football. They have a brand new uh, five years old athletic facility right near the airport and 95 where I assume the team is going to be practicing. It's you know beautiful. They'll be on a soccer field. They don't have a football team. So they'll be on a, uh, a soccer field right next to 95 practicing. And I, I guess Once you can't. Once again, Belichick playing chess while everyone's playing checkers. You can't say where they're staying, staying, I assume. But are they staying on Palm Beach? I, I don't know. All I know is they're real close to Palm Beach. But I would assume just for logistics, as far as a football team and what they need, they're going to be in an airport hotel right there. That's okay. what I would assume. For yeah, he's on a soccer field because he's going to practice a kicking. Yeah, game. for four or five days. I don't know. I... I I don't know. It doesn't feel like them. It doesn't It doesn't make me feel good. Even if the plans were made months ago before they knew or it looked like a train wreck, I just, the feel of it, mm, act of a desperate team. Bart Scott said that this morning on ESPN. I, I unfortunately agree with him on that, uh, I, I, on that one. And, the, and Reese had a little line over the weekend that said, you know, given all the hot and humid days they had at training camp, you wonder if Belichick would make the same decision now that he did before camp. And I went, oh, you're already second-guessing it because you know he heard that somewhere. Reese did somewhere in the building. I say that with all the love and total respect in my heart. Uh, you know, he hears things. So, like, he floated a line out there that said, I, well, you wonder if Bill would have done that now knowing what the weather was like in camp. I said, oh, they're already second-guessing it. Or maybe the bean counters down there are saying, Bill, how much is this costing us? You, you didn't, we didn't have a month of acclimation up here when we were sweating our coconuts off here in the month of August? And they went to Vegas. 
and that's Never more mind. money. Yeah, how many trips are we going to take, Bill? And, and they're staying out in Arizona between the Cardinals and the Vegas games. Oh, my God. No wonder they can't sign any players. They're spending it all on T&E. <laughs> now now who, it's all coming together. Whose budget does that come out of? Yeah, your thoughts on the Patriots at this, at this hour with Greg Bedard, 617-779-0985. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CELEBRATE and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. This is the place Boston sports fans come to get some positive vibes for their teams. Anything but. It's time to panic. Well, maybe not. Now, back to reality with Felger and Let's talk about the Patriots, from sneaky Josh to sneaky big news. Yeah. Dan Graziano, what are the Patriots doing today on a Tuesday that teams basically never do? Well, they're flying to Miami because they're playing there on Sunday, uh, and they're going to practice there all week because it is supposed to be in the 90s uh, with 70-80% humidity all week, and the Patriots aren't guaranteed to get that kind of weather in Foxborough. They are 2-7 <laughs> and seven in their last nine games in Miami. Bill Belichick clearly feels it is helpful to get his young team acclimated to the weather ahead of this game. Very interesting. I talked to some people there. They don't ever remember anything like this before. Yeah. Look, I, I, I will never question anything Belichick is doing. Not and maybe that but you're is the point. Because if the coach of, if the coach of the New England Patriots, Bart Scott, was named Bill Schwartz, yeah. that we would be talking about Schwartz being on the hot seat and the Patriots being <laughs> one of the worst teams yeah. in the AFC. Now, Belichick deserves the benefit of the doubt. But is this going to be a, an uncharacteristically, practically unprecedentedly long season in New England? I mean, just look at how it's starting. I think this is a desperation move. Bart Scott, he goes on, desperation move. Kind of feels that way. Bill Schwartz. I did chuckle when I heard that. But it's true. If this were the Jets doing this, we'd look at him and go, dude, high school. Right. High school kind of crap. Right, exactly. It's exactly what it would be like wearing your letterman's jackets to a game. <laughs> Seriously. Or sequestering the team in a motel on Route 1. So we'll see. All right, your early uh, temperature on the Patriots heading into Week 1 at Miami. We're off and running with Greg Bedard and your calls. Jim and Newton, lead us off. I got a question for Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg. Yes. Oh, sorry. Hello. Are you there? Yes, Jim. Go, please. Here. Okay. On, on, on the last game, Stidham in the twos met little resistance from the Patriots' one defense. Was Stidham just that good? Uh, Let me just stop you. Are you worried about the Patriots' defense? Not as much as the offense. I mean, like, <laughs> I'll just say this. Like, I this is the difference between my worry level with the offense and the defense. Like, you know, a lot. some people will say, oh, it's just the preseason. It doesn't matter. Okay, I agree with you with that on the defense because I actually saw them do things in practice. Now it was against the Patriots offense, but you know, I saw them stop the Raiders in the joint practices. Uh, you know, I saw them do some good things so I can say uh, they're just playing conservative. They're playing zone They're you know, whatever play action. Duggar made a mistake. He got sucked up happens. He made a mistake, 
But, like, the difference with the offense is that I haven't seen it, like, ever in camp. Practice, joint practices, what have you. And so, you know, that's the, I'm not hugely worried about the defense going into the season. I am worried about the secondary, especially in this game. Uh, they're going to have to. They're going to have to attack the Dolphins' offensive line. They are going to have to get pressure, or else it's going to be a very long day in Miami. And I do think there are some places where they can attack them. For example, so uh, talking to people down in Miami. So Austin Jackson, who was the first round pick a few years ago, he's bounced around the offensive line. He's at right tackle for them. Uh, n- never been a great player. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved Judon over to that side to be over Austin Jackson. Teron Armstead is the the left tackle, longtime Saint. Uh, hasn't played a lot of football, but at least he's because he's always a hurt. At least he's healthy for this game. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they put Judon over Austin Jackson, try to exploit that matchup, let one of the other guys be wasted against Armstead. Uh, the other one that I expect them to really pepper in this game is Connor Williams, the center. Uh, he is a player, uh, you know, they signed from Dallas. Good, strong player. Has had some issues snapping the ball. I think the Patriots, between Barmore and just putting guys in the A-gap, I think they're going to try to spook Connor Williams. I think they're going to try to go after Austin Jackson. And you're hoping that spooks Tua enough that they can mess up all the speed that they have on the outside. I mean, it's just between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Cedric Wilson, and then you have the tight I mean. It's on, if they have time, I don't think the Patriots can cover them. Okay. Uh, parenthetically, on Stidham, I just want to look, put a little bookmark or a little pin, what do you kids call it? And just, I'm just curious if he gets in, gets any time this year and what he looks like. And I, I reserve the right to circle back and say, did the Pats just give up on that kid? You know, just give up on way too early or just give up on him, period, because what? immature or you know went to a wedding or whatever just didn't quite get it for whatever I mean, yeah, reason but what are we talking about what that that he's not here to be a backup he's a backup at best he's not going to be a starter anywhere so all right you know maybe they didn't hit on bailey zappy you go back into the draft you get another guy next year i mean it's not i don't think don't they're think missing could, anything you don't think this could could ever be starting quality no, no no not every not every game for no team is going to invest in jared stidham and be like Ooh, he's our starter but that's not saying he that he can't be it just because no one sees it doesn't mean he's not that. I, I'm just saying physically, he kind of looked the part. I mean, he does look the part. Even when he was here, he looks the part. So I don't know what that means. I just said, just you know, in the back of your mind, I'm just curious to see what he is. Uh, here's Andy in Weymouth. He's up next with Greg Bedard with Felgram As. Hi, Andy. Hey, guys. How you doing? If you could just give me 20 seconds to rant because I call him to say that I believe Belichick's a little overrated. And the reason why I say that is he's put the Patriots in this position um, and all you hear all the time is, well, and Bill, we trust, and Bill, we trust. Well, at some point, safe to say, if you don't have the good players, you know, you're not going to win. And he's the one that's doing the draft. It's not Kraft. It's himself. So I don't know if he can dig himself out of this hole. I don't think he can. I think his arrogance just gets in front of him. I thought this year the draft would be excellent because he's put in the position to draft the players. Kraft was on him. And then he drafts uh, – Third rounder, fourth rounder in the first round, then the second round. Okay, uh, Andy, I do have to let you go. I can't like, keep rambling on there. In Bill, we trust. If 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 you trust Bill, then this is a week you win. This is a week you win against a middling quarterback in an opposing coach's first game, 
first game, and we played the sound coming out. McDaniel said it. Biggest win disparity in NFL history between coaches. I mean, it could be. I don't know if he was if he really knows the stat or not, but it's got to be close. So this is a this is a another middling opponent uh, in their first game where you've had all this time to prepare, the entire offseason to prepare. Bill's talked about the cat and mouse game of holding things back, and it's the $64,000 question, what you show in the preseason and what you bring to game one. If it's all what this is, this is a win. So let's see. It's a big one to me if, if you believe in this team and still this coach. I, plus, they're going down early. I mean, they, I don't disagree with that. I mean, Bill, you know, from the offseason and the days off and the weekends off and you know, put the coaches here and this is what we're going to do and this is the offense we're going to run and these guys are going to call the plays. This has been an entire offseason of Bill Belichick. And so there's no reason for this team not to go down to Miami. Yeah, very talented team. But a brand-new head coach, brand-new offensive system, you know, a quarterback who's limited, this should be a layup for a Bill Belichick team. I mean, in Bill we trust is on trial. Like that's what the, that's what this year is. I, I can't remember a year where the things he has have, has done have, have been more in question than this one, especially at this stage. So, like, I, if people still want to believe, that's fine. But by the end of the year, we should have a better answer as to whether or not there are how many of those people are left. Is a better way to say it. Tony in Amesbury. Hi, Tony. So I think that this topic has kind of been overlooked because you know, rightfully so. We've you know. Uh, most of the, the, the media people have been more focused on the Patriots coaching staff and roster and whatnot. But when you take a step back, is the zone offensive scheme really what builds successful teams? I mean, if we look at in the past, the teams that have had this in, in the past, the Atlanta Falcons, the year the Patriots beat them in the Super Bowl, it's almost like the quarterback was babied so much that by the time they needed to actually make decisions in the fourth quarter, they weren't able to do so. The same goes for Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. And, you know, the same has gone for even, you know, a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers. They haven't had playoff success either. So I suppose this is just more of a take perhaps against the zone offensive scheme because teams in the playoffs have not had success with it, even when it's coached well. well. Who has other than the Patriots? Like, that gets annoying. But Here, go ahead. Here's the thing, and, and I've heard Gasper make this point, and I think it's spot on. Uh, this is, there are many benefits football-wise to running this scheme. But to really make it work... You need top-end talent. That's what the Rams, that's what McVay, that's what those guys realized. I mean, you know, you could criticize the zone scheme and say, oh, it didn't work for the Falcons, didn't work. Work for the Rams. I mean, yeah, but, but they went out there, they got Stafford. Hey, by the they way, got Odell but, Beckham. But, hold on, but, got, but let me just, just because you lost the Super Bowl doesn't mean you failed. Like, I hit, that's just such a idiotic train of thought that has taken hold around here because you're just so warped. You have no clue how it really goes because you've been, uh, spoiled and warped, and you, you live in an alternate reality. That system worked for the Falcons. They made the Super Bowl. That's a success. It's not a fail. So, like, get that through your head. But anyway, go ahead. But I'm just saying that, really, if you're going to buy into the system, what these guys, and, and we'll see whether it's proven out in Green Bay because they let Devontae uh, Adams go, and but, you know, for the Rams, they needed up their talent. The Bengals had to go get uh, Jamar Chase, you know, it, that you need guys, you need special guys to make this system work. The Dolphins have it. The Patriots do not. 
I just think that whole system is about getting playmakers in space, mm-hmm. right? Like the you know whether and and which is okay. I mean, I'm not telling you there's a flaw in it, but I I, I mean, look to say the Falcons and the system fail if they just handed the ball off one right. more time, they win. Yep. And the so other like, thing so is it's some sort of massive fail. And let me tell you, Aaron Rodgers was gagging playoff games long before this Lafleur came along. They had nothing to do with the system. Like, please. Well, no, and the Rams did win it last year. Got to two Super Bowls with two quarterbacks you hate. So, like, the system sucks or it's overrated? Like, no, what are no, you talking I, about? No, no, I think the system works. But I, I, all I'm saying is the that offense is designed to get playmakers in open space. And if that happens, all of a sudden you're gouging people. So do the Patriots, like, the fact that the Patriots might be short on those playmakers, I think is a legitimate criticism. But, you know, uh, the offense works, clearly. It's taken over the league. And I'm not telling you that I needed them to change it. I just, God, I hate going to Super Bowl losing teams and say, well, you see, it failed. As you're sitting there, you know, losing in the first round. Like, that's not the way to look at it. When you make the Super Bowl, you've succeeded. That's a good year. Okay, let's we have to go back to 101. What's a good year and what's a bad? Making the Super Bowl good. Uh, three up, three down with Bedard right after Murray's update. He doesn't ask much of the audience. Okay, but play with me. Except to love him. The worst sign in New England sports is you. Mass. The quiet half of Felger and Mass. <laughs> On 98.5, the sports hub. And now it's time for three up. Touchdown, Patriots! Drawn by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, three up, three down. Trending. Heading into the season, coming off uh, the preseason training camp, etc. Three up, three down. Greg, who's your number one star? Matthew Judon. He is by far the best player on the Patriots to me. To me, he is the only uh, blue chip player they have uh, on this team, which is basically, I would say, top ten at the, the position in the league. I think that he has the potential if to be defensive player of the year this year. And if they're going anywhere, they need him to be that. Christian Barmore. I, I, to me, in terms of growth from last year to this year, who am I expecting the most from based on everything we've heard? Barmore. Two. Christian Barmore. Uh, to me, he is a clear uh, red chip on this team. That And, and I, he's the only one for me right now, uh, which t- talks to the talent disparity sort of on this team at this point. I think that um, that Barmore, I think they have huge plans for Barmore. That I think he, you're going to see him play a lot more. You'll see him start a lot more games, and he is going to have to be a game wrecker. For this defense to work, with the secondary to work as it is right now, uh, I think that Barmore and Judon have to dominate up front. Judon, move along. Third, Jacoby Myers. I think he's by far their best receiver in terms of production, comfort level with Mac. Um, you know, he's going to be the move-the-chain guy. Not dynamic at all, but he gets the job done, and he's their best right now. Jack Jones. I thought he took a big jump in that Raiders game. I liked him. And again, I know he's a rookie. I know that Bill typically doesn't get a lot out of rookies, but their secondary is weak. I think there's a chance that kid could help him. I'm, I, I'm optimistic. Let's get to the third uh, or the good stuff now. Uh, three down. Who's your number one dud from training camp heading into the season, Greg? Matt Patricia. Uh, in charge of the offensive line, disaster all summer. In charge of the offense, 
disaster all summer. So to me, it's clearly Matt Patricia. I run Kendrick Bourne. I don't think there's a player on the roster whose stock dropped more during camp than Kendrick Bourne. Now, again, and even Troy Brown made a comment uh, in the last few days that I saw where he said he didn't do anything wrong. Right. And it's not like anything happened. Right. So he just didn't perform according to that, according to that comment. So, you know, I, I think he should be a big part of the offense, but his stock has plummeted. Massive. Fa- I blame Bill and what they're doing. To, I, I don't I, I should blame Bourne, but I blame the circumstances around it. It's like I've talked about this before. Like this is. This is uh, this is right behind what you've done to Mac Jones. You finally hit on a receiver. You finally brought in a guy here who worked, worked on the field, gave you br- great energy off the field. I really like the way Bourne carries himself. And he's sort of a fun guy and his own guy, and really, um, he's not another one of these automatons, which I think is important down there. And so he brought great energy to you. He got the offense. He was starting to excel in the offense. He was getting along great with Mac Jones. And just like Mac Jones, he should be set for like a year two jump in the system. Instead, he's getting benched and in trade rumors. Well, that was quick. What did you do? Like, I think that's a real fail on their part if this guy does not perform this Mike, season. Related to this, uh, you know, and this is sort of a discussion point is, you know, with this new coaching staff and a new offensive, you know, personnel between Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, you know, my question is from talking to people around the team, have did those guys ask enough questions coming into their jobs? Like, you know, for example, I know how, how much was Dante Scarnecchia talked to by people that matter, you know, with that offense, how many times did they look at a player like Kendrick Bourne and say, okay, well, how did we get this guy to this point? Because he improved over the course of the season. What was necessary? What were the steps that we did in terms of the coaching, whether it was McDaniels, Mick Lombardi, what happened there? Or did the Patriots just come in and say, we know what we're doing. Oh, we're good I, coaches. Has to be that second thing. Definitely. Okay, number two, Dud, Greg. J- Jelani Tavai. I mean, he's he's the – every year we have a guy like, <laughs> what the hell is this guy doing on this roster? And he's the winner this year, clearly, by far. And I'll be – it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, if, if the practices and preseason are worth anything in terms of what they think of a player, he's going to be out there a lot. So I'm extending the timeline a little bit, but I went Isaiah Wynn. So a year ago, or last, you know, spring of 2021, they picked up his fifth-year option. He was a left tackle. He's a first-round pick. Now, all of a sudden, it feels like his stock has plummeted. He's on the right side. They were trying to dump him, and I have no faith that they're going to be able to sort of play well in the offensive line, at least on his side. Number three, Greg. I went with Mac Jones. I was going to say Kendrick Bourne, but he already did. So, I look, and I don't think it's, it's not Mac's fault. It's what's around him. It's the coaching. It's the offensive line. It's what is the confidence level of some of his favorite targets that he grew into last year. Uh, you know, he is, he should be taking a huge step forward. And, it, and it's been there. The scoreboard has been there. I mean, you know, like I said last week, a year ago at the joint practices against the Giants, against Patrick Graham, same coordinator that he faced with the Raiders in the joint practice. He was 35 of 40 when Cam wasn't out there, solidified. It's his team. He's doing a great job. Did great in the preseason game. Did all that stuff. A year later, he's he's completing 13 of 27 in seven on sevens. And, you know, largely a fail in the joint practice. Preseason game, bad interception. So how can anybody say that Mac Jones hasn't taken a step back at this point, to this point? What happens on Sunday? I have no clue. 
I also have Mac Jones third. If, and if he keeps showing up on this list during the regular season, they're in big trouble because they need him to really carry a lot of the load. So, you know, I, I hope the preseason is just a setback and not some sort of major you know, negative that left a mark. But he did not have a good preseason. You can weigh in on those selections out there. You can talk about them heading to Miami. Sign of a desperate team. Uh, your general temperature on the squad heading into the season. And I know Greg wants to address this premise of perhaps this year being a bridge year for the Patriots. We'll get to that with your phones in our long commercial-free segment. Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CELEBRATE, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. This is a purely a take that exists in my head. Getting into your head. Tell you what's in our head. With hot sports takes. And we share it with you. Felger and Mass, 98.5, the Sports Hub. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's a $64,000 question on everything. Um, opening day is opening day. Nobody's really shown much in preseason. Um, the cards will be on the table on Sunday. And. Like every opening game, I'm sure we'll have to make some adjustments um, once we see what they're doing um, and vice versa. That's always the way it is. So you have to leave room for a little bit of the unknown, things they've been working on that they haven't shown or uh, things specifically game plan for you that you've had trouble with uh, at some point. They've had a lot of time to prepare for the game, um, several months, as have we. So... There's a you know big part of the unknown. Sixty-four thousand dollar question: What you show in the preseason? What you show when the regular games start? What are you hiding? What are you holding? Sixty-four thousand dollar question. Well, this is what it comes down to: this whole cat and mouse game. You should have a huge advantage. Bill Belichick doing it longer and better than anyone else against the first-time, first-year head coach, first-time actual call player. And Mike McDaniel never called plays in San Francisco. It should be a huge advantage for you. So if you think the team can do anything, uh, and if you do think the team can do anything, Belichick has to be a big reason why, then this is a win. This is a win you got to have, I think. So that's sort of one of my take, uh, my main takeaways. Greg Bedard in for a big boy Tuesday. Before I go back to your phones, he, 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 he's heard a line of thought that sort of crawled up his uh, tailpipe, and that is the thought that it might be a, some sort of bridge year. Greg, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I mean, I, we should point out that part of the reason that people say this is because next season, as of right now, if you go to over, overthecap.com, the Patriots are second in cap space next year with $50 million effective cap space. They have 40 guys under contract. Here, uh, can I just say before you go on? Just to, I just have to immediately push back on that because you know me, I can't help it. Give me the top five teams in cap space, please. For next year. Yep. The Bears, $95 million. Okay. Patriots, 50. Giants, 47. Seahawks, 38. So uh, I'm sorry, NY, uh, the Giants, 47. Go ahead. Uh, so, uh, Bengals, 39. Texans, 39. Seahawks, 38. Uh, Falcons, and and Ravens at thirty six million, and then you have the Colts and the Cardinals at twenty five million. 
So uh, take out those last two. It feels like there were six or seven teams somewhere between, call it 50 and 40 million in space. Okay. Yeah, you had a couple of 39 there, but I'm going to include them. 38. So it. And you if know what they have co- in common? There's like eight or nine teams with a ton of space. Yeah. And most of them suck. And so now you have to outbid all of them. Okay. So you're not the only one with space. Go ahead. Okay. So my number one. Which, what does reason- that mean anyway? But go ahead. Right. Uh, so my number one reason for pushing back against this is, number one, this is not a bridge year. Last year was the bridge year. You, you spent, the craft spent $160 million, $163 million last year. Rookie quarterback, bunch of new guys in the system. That's the bridge year where you say, all right, we'll take what we can get, but it's really about this year. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're kicking the can down the road. Why? Because uh-huh. Bill decided to hire Matt Patricia and Joe Judge on yep. offense. Yes. That's the only reason why we're not talking about them being a real contender this year. You know, let's not confuse things. That's the reason. So what? Now we're supposed to kick the can down the road. Why? Because they have cash space next year. Well, keep this in mind. So next year, you're, first of all, you're going to have to replace a bunch of starters. But let's say they want comp picks for guys who might walk. Isaiah Wynn, number one reason you're not dealing him, because he gets signed by somebody else, you get a third-round comp pick. Not if you sign big free agents, you don't. Exactly. Aguilar is a free agent. He'll sign. That's a comp pick. Jonathan Jones is a free agent. Jacoby Myers, all guys who will have value around the league, varying degree. But they should get you if you don't sign anybody. Yeah, so comp picks are a formula, folks. It's if you net out free agent losses, then you get comp picks. But if you sign players and lose players and you net out to flat even, you don't get comp picks. Right. Go ahead. So they're probably – anyway, there's another offshoot of this is they're going to have to go via the trade route to really improve themselves at cornerback number one, which I think they'll do this year. If they're in it, they got to sell out for a cornerback. And then wide receiver. The year after, so Hunter Henry, who no tight ends in the system coming up, Hunter Henry is going to be he's going to be going into a contract year next year. So you need to get him to an extension. Uh, Devontae Parker, you just traded for him. You know, you have Thornton coming up in the system, but not really the same position. You might have to extend him. Kyle Duggar will be a free agent the year after. So you need to extend him. So there are all these varying degrees. Things are not going to change much next off this offseason, and they shouldn't because this is the year. Last year was the bridge year. You don't get another bridge year, especially when you're Bill Belichick and you know you make all the right moves usually. This was going to be the year, should have been the year, and then you just build on that and keep going. I agree 100%. Can I throw another name on the list and you guys tell me whether it's stupid or not? Because, again, I know the formula, you know, it's different. Wouldn't it behoove them to address Mac Jones sooner rather than later? Oh, well, I mean. You can only do it after, I think, after his third season. Okay, so th- that's right. true, yeah. too. That's I forgot about that. Right. You you can't. You Even if you want to extend him now, you can't. Okay. So I don't know. Is it the third or fourth year? Right. I, it could I, be fourth year for a first-round pick. I don't know. I'm not up I, on this. I, I can't remember. Uh, they changed those rules. So you, you can't just go in and, and redo them, uh, you know, even if you wanted to. But. The whole point was to get a rookie quarterback on that cheap contract, mm-hmm. and that's when you take advantage. You don't punt on one. So now you're, so now you're punting on a couple of those years. So his rookie year, okay, a lot to expect. But now you purposely make year two a bridge year, and now aren't you wasting? And again, I think this is all garbage. By the way, I think it's nonsense. 
I think an owner can spend pretty much whatever he wants, rookie quarterback or expensive quarterback. The cap is a lie, but I, I, I'm just playing your game to just to even even on your parameters. If you feel that there's some advantage to a rookie quarterback, well, aren't you just wasting one year of that advantage? Yes. I mean, so like, oh, bridge your nonsense. You know, you had a pretty successful. I, I think last year it. If you looked at it in a sort of a five-year plan sort of uh, structure and say the year you signed all those free agents and you had a rookie quarterback, you were 10-7 and seven and went to the playoffs. I'd say pretty good. Okay, not great. And you finished horribly and, you, you know, you lost ground to the, the division leader, but that's a representative year one. Well, year two, you build on it. And then you close the gap with the division leader. You maybe win one more game or win one more playoff game. Your quarterback gets that much better. Yep. And that's what year two has to be. But I feel like they're going in the other direction. But uh, So the expectation should be 11 wins or divisional round or something like that. That should be the expectation for everybody with this team. But Bill has sort of by his own doing lowered the bar. He's starting over on offense, starting over with his coaching staff, and that's put everyone behind. And why would you accept that? Like, why is that acceptable? I don't get, did it have to be? Did they have to change systems? Now, I mean, Greg, you believe that they couldn't have kept McDaniels. You know, I, I know, right. so, like, Curran uh, has reported that McDaniels would have stayed, and, you know, you could have kept McDaniels. So I, I guess that's debatable. Well, but they could have only if Bill Belichick and the Crafts got together and say, J- Josh, here's, the, here's, here's my expiration date. We want you to stay. You're coaching waiting. That was fantasy. That was never, ever going to happen. It will never happen. Okay, so losing him, I don't like put. I don't blame them necessarily for it. But why the plan had to be Patricia and Judge in a new system, I, I, I don't know. McDaniels has been interviewing for jobs for years on end. He almost went to Indy. You know, he, he was a finalist in Cleveland a couple of years ago. You knew this was coming unless you went to Josh and said, you're head coach and waiting for 2024, 2025, whatever it is. He might have agreed to that. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. But you knew this whole time. Why aren't you grooming somebody else like the Bills had with Ken Dorsey? Brian Dayball, you knew, was going to get a head coach, head coaching job at some point. He had been interviewing every year. He got one. Now Ken Dorsey all of a sudden just steps up from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. It's seamless for the quarterback and the entire team. Nobody's talking about them taking a step back this year. Everyone's talking about them being the Super Bowl favorites. I'm with you. Bridge here, unacceptable. Nope. Nope. Do not accept that. There was no rationale for it. No reasonable rationale. And oh, by the way, all this nonsense about the rookie quarterback contract and the cap. Well, if you really believe that, then you're wasting a year. You're wasting a year where you have that. All right, I promise, to your phones, right after Murray's 90-second update, there are no commercials, and right to you. Hey, it's Felger, inviting you to check out Cambridge Savings Bank for your next mortgage. They provide service that makes you feel like their only customer. When I got my mortgage with them, they helped me every step of the way and offered me a fantastic rate on my loan. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 543370.